Hi, this is Claire Woodhouse from Secretly Healthy Home, and you are listening to the Eat Blog Talk podcast. Hey, food bloggers, are you ready to accomplish your 2023 goals faster than you ever thought possible? If you are nodding your head yes right now, the Eat Blog Talk Mastermind program might be a great fit for you. We are now accepting applications for 2023, and I will let you in on a little secret. If you sign up before the end of November 2022, you can lock in at the current pricing. Go to eblogtalk.com forward slash mastermind for more information and to apply. Here is a current member, Barbara from butterandbaggage.com talking about why the investment is so worthwhile. If you're really committed to making this a business, you've got to invest in yourself. And I think this is the best way to invest in yourself. Right. To put a value on, on what you're getting. But in, in this type of business, just having the resource of these people that can give you advice and can help you along that journey is, I just think, more valuable than anything, any other investment you can make. Hello, food bloggers. Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, the podcast for food bloggers looking for the value and confidence that will move the needle forward in their businesses. This episode is sponsored by Rank IQ. I'm your host, Megan Porta, and you are listening to episode number 364. I have Claire Woodhouse with me today. She is going to tell us all about how to self-publish a cookbook affordably, get it printed, sell it online, and ship it all by yourself. Claire is a stay-at-home mom of two who started a healthy baking blog two and a half years ago. Claire loves creating nourishing, delicious, and simple recipes that don't break the bank when it comes to healthy baking. She created and runs an intuitive eating membership called The Smart Sweet Tooth, in which she teaches ladies how to find balance and peace with food. Claire is also busy creating and selling online courses and resources that have helped her achieve a solid passive income for her family. It has been exciting to see how her business has grown and she'd love to help others do the same. Claire, thank you so much for being here. How are you today? Thank you so much, Megan. I love your podcast. So I'm so happy. I'm so happy to be here. Yay. Yay, yay. I love hearing that. Okay. We are going to talk all about self-publishing a cookbook today. I'm super excited to jump into that with you. But first, what fun fact do you have to share with us? Okay. So this is my fun fact. I was really, really thinking about this and it was hard for me to come up with one. But recently, my husband and I have been into cold exposure, which is like cold baths or like cold, yes, ice baths. My husband is huge on this kick too. So how, yeah, how long have you been doing that? Probably about, I mean, it's only been like maybe a month. We have like a a brand new garbage can, like a huge garbage can that we use. So we just fill it with our our hose water and then just put some ice in it and and frozen water bottles. And that's how we kind of do it. He's on this um, mission to find something that's affordable because ice baths Mm -hmm. are ridiculous. I'm sure you've seen this. They are. It's yes. crazy. I was like, no, no, no. You must have like added a zero there. And he's like, no, it's insane. I know. Just paying for ice. Yeah, <laughs> right. So, okay. I'm going to tell him what you do and he will probably follow suit. I love that. Yeah. So we were in Montana this summer and Lake McDonald is the lake that's kind of like nestled in Glacier National Park. And it's mm-hmm. super cold. It's freezing. Way too cold for me. But he went in there and like... I couldn't believe it. I was like, you're going to die. But he was so funny. He was in there for like 20 minutes. And yeah, he oh just my goodness. loved it. There's so many benefits, good benefits. There's so many. You just feel so good after. And if your brain is like foggy or you're feeling anxious, just like hopping in the cold bath is amazing. Your brain just can't think about anything else. 
and it's just like a reset. It's so nice. It oh. sounds crazy though. It really does to some people, <laughs> but really the benefits are there. Yeah. But that, for that first like 30 seconds to a minute, what I found is that I f- literally feel like I'm going to die. So how do I get past <laughs> I <know>. that? <laughs> you just, it, that's the whole thing is like the mental block. You just got to fight through it. And it's such a mental thing too, which I think is cool to really train your brain to overcome things like that just to get to those benefits. Okay. Well, you've encouraged mm-hmm. me. I'm going to pull out our garbage can, clean it out. Do it. And- <laughs> yeah, clean it. Clean yes. it really good. <laughs> yes, clean it really well. Oh, cool. <laughs> I love knowing that about you. So I might yeah. be like sending you random weird emails about ice oh, baths. Please do. Please do. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's talk about self-publishing. So you published your own cookbook. Can you just talk through briefly how that went, like how it came about for you? Yeah. So yes, I make secretly healthy dessert recipes. I also do like breakfast and treats and things. And uh, I think it was about two years ago, I made an Oreo recipe that was secretly healthy and gluten-free and everyone loved it. All my followers loved it. People were making it like crazy. And then I just thought, you know what? That's so cool. People are loving this. I might just try and make more copycat recipes. So then I just went down that rabbit hole and I asked people like, what were your favorite treats when you grew up? What did your mom pack in your school lunchbox and all that stuff? And so people said, you know, Nutter Butters, Pop-Tarts, Reese's, peanut butter cups, uh, like all that stuff. And I'm like, this would be so fun if I could make an ebook from this. So I gathered like all those recipes that everyone loves And then I started recipe testing and I recipe tested for a while. And I was also trying to like work on my blog at the same time. So I wasn't super focused on the cookbook. So then I really wanted, I I had eventually ended up making all the recipes for it. And I made like 16 recipes and I was like, I would love to have this in an actual physical book. But when I looked into all that, it was a whole new ball game. And I just, I knew it would be too small of a book if it was only 16 recipes. So then I had to dig back into it and then make more recipes. So I ended up with 37 recipes. And then that is when I'm like, this is enough recipes. This will give me like a hundred, or I think my book is about 80 some pages. So then with all that info, with all my book done and everything, that's how I kind of started it. But yeah, it basically started with just, I knew people liked copycat recipes. And I thought it'd be fun to do like a fun twist of making them all secretly healthy with better ingredients. And that is, that's where it started. I love your topic. I think that is so clever as you're talking through just like nostalgia and treats as from childhood. I thought like five things, five things came to mind. So I love that. I think a lot of people would really dig that. Like, oh yeah, that because food has such memories and it brings up such nostalgia. So topic mm-hmm. is great. And I love how your process kind of unfolded without you even knowing what was happening. Like you came out with a cookbook, which is so cool. Most people start with like, I'm going to write a cookbook. Yeah. And then, yeah, but your process was entirely different. It was totally different. And I think if I would have known what I was getting into, I don't think I would have done it. But that's why I'm so excited to be on this podcast because I want to tell people that like you can do it and there are simple steps, but there's no, I know some people have courses on how to write a cookbook, but I didn't, I didn't get any of those courses because I, I wasn't sure I was even doing it when I was doing it. So I just, I'm excited to share more about how to do it because a lot of the practical steps can be so hard to find on Google. Like how how do you even find these things? So that's why I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, this is a different perspective. I think of like when you're doing a workout and halfway through the workout, I'm like, 
thank God I didn't know what I was getting into when I started this because I never would have pressed play. It's that same thing. Like, oh, yes, I'm writing a cookbook. This is so cool. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So tell us your tips or strategies. I guess we can start with like designing it. What do you recommend for an easy way to design a cookbook? So I used Canva, which can be completely free. I will say it was a little tricky with the design elements, just trying to get everything lined up correctly. Canva does do that for you sometimes, but with specific design elements, it's a little tricky and like page numbers and all that. But for me, I did it on Canva just because I knew it. It was free and it was, I just got really good at using Canva. So Canva was definitely what I used but I know some people use Adobe and that is more helpful with book publishing, but it depends on where you're going with that. But yeah, I use Canva. So if you have Canva and you feel confident with Canva, that's definitely a good thing you can use. That's relieving because I think a lot of food bloggers do use Canva and it's so easy. Like there's no barrier there, hardly mm-hmm. at all. Yeah, we already know it and love it. So is now were there issues as far as converting pages from Canva to print? Did you have to do anything special? Yeah, so that's a great question. So when I was in Canva, I would say if you are creating a book, make sure you figure out your sizing beforehand because my problem was I just started writing it because I thought it was just an ebook and I didn't think about what size book I would want. So then I had to go back in Canva after I figured out what size book I wanted and I had to resize everything, which took me a very long time. So don't make the same mistake I did. Even for making an ebook and you might make a cookbook out of it, I would suggest figuring out the size of your book. For me, I went with an eight and a half by 10. So it's just like a little smaller than a piece of paper which I think is a great size for a cookbook. Pretty much anything a little bit smaller than eight and a half by 10, I think is a good size. So I think just getting those dimensions down first and maybe checking out some other cookbooks and saying, oh, I like this size. I like this size. That really helps. I looked at so many different cookbooks and I looked at their pages, what what like size font they used and all of that. And in Canva, actually, that's a good point. I just reminded myself of the font. You can see what size font there is that you're using. And so I used 12 point font and I think that's the perfect size for cookbooks. And I think that's what a lot of people use when they're using it for, you know, printing anything. So you definitely check out your font when you're, when you're on Canva as well to make sure that you have a big enough font for your book. So it doesn't print in like five point font. Exactly. (laughs) That would be, that would be fun to figure that out at the end, right? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Some good things to think through when you get started in Canvas. So thank you for all of that. That's amazing. So people don't have to go back and redo their work. Like, yeah. yeah. So let's see, where do you want to go from here? Do you want to talk about the content that goes into the book? So content, I would say for me, and I know so many people that tell you how to write a cookbook. They say, you know, solve a problem and really make sure that your audience is interested in your topic and and try and niche down and figure out what that topic is that you're going to write about. It can't just be recipes. I would definitely niche down. And I, I listened to your podcast about sous vide. Oh yeah. And they had a whole cookbook. I don't remember who it was. Chelsea Cole, maybe. Yes. Yes. Chelsea. So she talked about how she made cookbooks just with sous vide cooking. And I thought that was so interesting. So definitely niching down the more you can, the better. And just checking out your checking with your audience and making sure that they would love that content too. And making sure, you know, they're excited about it as well. 
And then how do you decide how many recipes to put in the book? That's a great question. So I would say depending on how big your book is or how big you want your book to be. So for me, most of my recipes, I have a picture on one side and then a recipe on the other side. So it was basically two pages per recipe. So take that into consideration. But I would say my cookbook with 37 recipes with just like two pages on each recipe and then, you know, index and all the little extra pages, I feel like that's kind of the minimum I would go with for recipes. But if you are doing something like an ebook or something, you can definitely do, you know, 18 recipes or like 16 recipes. But I felt like 37 or maybe 35 recipes is plenty. So you don't have to feel like you have to make 150 recipes because I know so many people, I see cookbooks all the time, like 300 recipes. Oh my gosh, and that's so many. Yeah, back in the day, yeah, back in the day, I used to see that cookbook. And I'm like, oh, that's great. Like, but now when I was writing this cookbook, I'm like, how that is so many recipes and the amount of time it takes to, you know, go through it and edit it. And all of that takes a lot of time when you have more content and more recipes. So if you're just starting out, you definitely don't have to have a hundred recipes. You can start with, I mean, even 25 or 30 recipes for an entire cookbook if you're actually wanting to print it off. I love that you mentioned that because we do have this idea in our minds that it has to be like 75, 100, 100. I think that's so many. Like you, Jason Logston, he's a food blogger. He also does sous vide cooking and he has self-published many, like I want to say 25 or more cookbooks. A few of his have literally like 9, 10, 12, like really low number of recipes in them. They're huge. He sold so many copies. So yeah, you don't need to overthink and overdo mm-hmm. it. I think just like get in, do some really good quality work, right? Don't you think? Yes, totally. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So once you have all of your content together, you've got it laid out in Canva or wherever you're laying it out. Where, how do you go about like selling it? Okay. So this was the trickiest part for me, honestly. I really wanted to get on Amazon because I know it's such a big platform and I know it's, it's what everyone uses. And I would, I would have loved to get on Amazon. I did all of the backend work to Amazon. And let me tell you, I don't know if I'm just really bad at Amazon, but it was a headache and it was really hard for me doing it personally. I know you can hire someone to do it, but it was, it was really hard. There's a lot of little hoops to jump through and in order to get it looking how you want it to look, it's just, it was a lot of work. And then just trying to figure out how to like post the ebook with it. You kind of have to go through two different because they have Kindle Direct Publishing KDP and they also have Amazon like Seller Central. So you can be a seller and through KDP publisher. So it gets really confusing, but you can do it that way, which if it works out, if your numbers work out, you can definitely do it on Amazon. But what I figured out after setting up everything for Amazon, having it ready to go, I actually figured out that Amazon would be making more money than me. (laughs) Like, yeah, they would be making way more than I would. And I was doing all of the work. So there's a couple of different things with Amazon. You can actually have them print your book and then ship it. But I couldn't really do that option because with cookbooks, you need a specific paper, you need, you know, good color printing, it depends on what binding you want. And usually they don't offer because my paper is like a 100 pound paper, which is really thick, nice paper. 
And usually Amazon only offers 60 pound paper or 80. I don't even know if they offer 80 pound, but really thin paper. So if you want like a good quality cookbook, you can't print through Amazon. So you have to find your another printer, which, you know, is a whole different thing too. So that's what I found with Amazon is I would have loved to be on that platform, but in the end with myself printing them and then myself buying all the shipping materials, shipping them from my house. And then since they have such a big platform, they take a commission off of it. it. The commission that they would take would be like $2 more per book than I would even get. So I'm like, and they're not doing anything besides, you know, they have the platform. So yeah, so I actually ended up selling my book or am selling my book through my website, which is Podia. That's where I sell all of my courses and online material. I know there's different platforms you can sell things like I think it's Teachable is one. I don't know if you can sell a physical product on Teachable. Was it Kajabi is one too? But again, I I don't know if you can sell a physical product on Kajabi. And there's other resources like that as well. I know Shopify is another big one. And then, yeah, so, but Podia is what I went with because that's, I was already paying for that subscription and you kind of have to go, if you do have Podia and you're trying to sell a physical product or a cookbook, you have to go about it. Like you're selling a course. I know this is really technical and I'm sorry, no, but like if, if someone's, yeah, if someone's needing to do this, so you have to sell it as a course and then you kind of, yeah, because it's, it's mostly online courses, but if you just reach out to the people on Podia or search any of their articles, there's like step-by-step on how to set it up as a physical copy so you can get people's um, addresses. So there are other avenues aside from Amazon. So you're not totally. like stuck to that. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So it's worth exploring if you want to do this, go this route. Do you have any other tips about listing selling? Yeah. I would also say that I also bought my ISBN through Bocker, B-O-W-K-E-R, which is basically just the biggest, that's basically where you need to buy an ISBN number. So I think that was the most expensive part of my cookbook besides the actual printing of all of them. So that's about $150 just to buy the ISBN number. Okay. That's great. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. an awesome tip too. All right. So now where do you actually print? So you can house it somewhere aside from Amazon, but where do you actually get it printed? Yeah. So I actually did research and just found a local printing shop and mine was in Michigan. I'm located in Chicagoland area, so it's pretty close to me. They had a really good price. They had good quality. I saw their reviews. So I would say for anyone just looking to get books printed, I would say maybe look in your area, see if anyone can print stuff from your area because I'm sure you have printing shops around you. So just do some cost analysis trying to figure out, you know, how much cost per book to to buy all your books, how much it would cost per book to print them. And and then obviously if you buy more cookbooks, if you print more cookbooks, they're cheaper per book. So that's also something to take into consideration. I ended up buying or printing 250 cookbooks. And I think it came with like 25 free cookbooks if you did 250 cookbooks with the printer I went with. So I think that was a pretty good deal for what I got. It was Yeah. So I hope that's helpful. Just kind of searching your area and seeing who in the area prints. 
food bloggers, I want to take a really quick second here to talk to you about something new that we're starting this summer. I'm super excited about it. I am loving this new movement of food bloggers who are digging into podcasting as a way to add an awesome, unique new layer to their business. I feel so passionately about this topic. Audio is so powerful and food bloggers digging into audio in the form of podcasting is going to be a huge, successful movement. It will be a way to expand your brand into new areas that you cannot even imagine. There is an entire episode dedicated to this. So go listen to episode number 306 if you haven't already. And I promise you're going to be inspired to dig into audio yourself. As a way to support this movement, I am creating a group coaching experience starting in June of 2022. If you are interested in joining us, there are a limited number of spots available just because I want to give you all my dedicated attention. Send me an email at megan at eatblogtalk.com if you're interested. I am including an introductory rate. It's a monthly rate. If you want in, you will be locked in at that rate. Send me an email. Tell me you're interested in the group coaching for podcasters. And I can't wait to see you inside. And I can't wait to see how this just totally explodes your business. All right, back to the episode. And then just considering like distribution, if people offer that and how much you're willing to pay for that, or just do it, you're doing your own distribution, correct? Yes, correct. Yeah, because I yes, there are companies, what's it called? Lulu, I know, Lulu's. Oh yeah. They do all of their own I think they print your book and they ship it and everything like that. But then again, I always saw the downside because I couldn't have the book exactly how I wanted it through things like that because they print it. So you have to go with, you know, a certain paper and a certain like all of that with them. So there's pros and cons to both, I think. And then how much profit do you make from the books? So profit, so I'm selling my book for $34.99 and then I have coupons like throughout my website and I'll give them, I'll give you guys a coupon too, to whoever's listening. So I sell it for either $34.99 or $29.99 and then the cost of my book to print it was about $12.95, I think. And then the shipping materials is about a dollar. And then what's really great about mailing cookbooks yourself is that through USPS, you get media mail. Oh yes. Pricing, love media mail. Which is so nice. Yeah. So all of my shipping labels are the same price, no matter where it is in the United States, which is so cool. So you just go on. Oh, and this, you know what, this is actually a very technical thing that is good too, because when I was going to, someone bought a cookbook on accident. Cause I, I didn't have it. Like I didn't have it hidden on my website one time and someone bought it. And I was like, Oh no, I have no idea how to print a shipping label yet. So I had to find that on my own. And I'm like, how do you print a shipping label from your house? I have no idea. And what I found out is that you can do it through PayPal. What? I didn't know yes. that. So through PayPal, PayPal has something called ShipStation. So you just log into your PayPal account and then you can go to paypal.shipstation.com and you can print labels from your house. So you just create a quick label and then you just add a shipping address, add your package dimensions, which you can add, like you can make a custom package dimension. So you can just click on cookbook every time. So the dimensions are already in there. And then you will have your shipping label. And for media mail, for my cookbook, it's one pound with like all of the packing material and everything. And they're three fifty for anywhere in the United States. Wow. So many great yeah. tips. That's so awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. 
I am just, I'm actually stocking your cookbook right now. So (laughs) it is on Amazon just as a Kindle version, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I just kept it on as Kindle. I've not sold any through, through Amazon on Kindle yet. Yet. So tell us exact, like tell us the name of it and then exactly where we can go to buy it and then we'll continue. I I just want to make sure people. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it's called Healthy Copycat Treats and then you can get it on my website. So if you go to secretlyhealthyhome.com and then you go to, I'm pretty sure, let me see, I'm going right there to my, to my website. So you go to my website, secretlyhealthyhome.com and then the top, it says cookbook. If you're on a laptop, just says cookbook, you can click on that. Or if you're on your phone, you click on the three dots and then scroll down to cookbook and then it'll take you right to that page. Okay, I'm gonna purchase a copy. I am can't oh wait goodness. to get it. That's, You're so sweet. So it looks so and good. I, I'll ship it right here today for you. Oh, awesome. Okay. All right. Well, let's continue. So, printing. Did you ever consider doing black and white, or was that out of the question? It was pretty much out of the question for me. Yeah. And some people yeah. are like, like the blogger I mentioned earlier, Jason, he did black and white printing for those handful of books that did really well. So it Mm -hmm. depends on your audience, I think, and what they expect of you, right? It totally does. Yeah. Because I'm on Instagram. And so my photos and my videos, that's everything. Like that's what they see. That's what they know. So yeah, I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. So just knowing what people want from you and and delivering that. If they don't care about your photos as much, like I know Jason always said that, like my audience doesn't really care what my photos look like. They just want my good recipes. Then you could do black and white and then you can make even more of a profit. Totally. Yeah. And going off of that, something that I did as well with this cookbook is I actually made a video for each recipe. So I don't know where Ah. I got this idea. I think I, yeah, I saw some, I saw an ad somewhere and it was, you know, take this cookbook and scan the QR code to see how to make it in the cookbook. And I was like, that's a, that's brilliant. That is so brilliant, especially in our age where people are loving videos. And that's all you see now. I feel like videos are just the best thing ever. So it's so simple to do. You can literally Google like QR code and what you do, what I did was I made all the videos, I uploaded them to YouTube, and then I just made a QR code for each of them. That's so smart. And then put it in the cookbook. Yeah. And so valuable. That's something that a lot of cookbooks don't have. So I can see people just being like, oh, this is so cool. Yeah. Yes. It's a neat feature. And anyone, anyone can do it if you're making a cookbook, which I think is so fun. Okay. Sorry. I'm in the process of purchasing your book. I will get back on track here. <laughs> well, you're good. You're good. You should, you need to use my code. I'm going to give you guys a code. Too, oh, so okay. Don't okay. I won't purchase quite yet. I'll wait for you're the code. So sweet. All right. So printing, anything else about printing or shipping that you think people should know? Yeah. So I think the last, the last thing about shipping is I was also like, where do I get shipping material? I have no idea how to package this thing. My book is a spiral ba- a spiral bound book. Not spiral. It's a wire O binding. So it's not just a spiral. It's kind of like a planner. So it's a wire. It's nice. But you have to be really careful with that because you don't want to get bent or anything in shipping. So what I ended up doing is I went to – what you can do is you can just go to Amazon and figure out your – if you have your book dimensions, figure out what size you need and then order some shipping material on Amazon. And then if it doesn't work, you can always return it. But that's what I did. So I did a bubble liner. And then I also do a bubble mailer over the top of it. So I have like double 
double bubble <laughs> for protection for the books. That's awesome. Just just in case, because yeah, you don't want it to arrive like all bent and weird. Totally. Yeah. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. And then distribution, do you, like, does it take up a huge corner in your house or how do you store all of those? Yeah, they're just in the basement. Yeah. So no, they really don't take up that much space. If you have a basement or an extra closet, you can definitely just store them at your house. Okay, cool. And do you do this all yourself or do you get help with it? So I had a few people just edit my book, but besides that, I did it all on my own, which is kind of crazy. I definitely looked at YouTube and Googled a lot of things and I reached out to some people for help. Obviously your pa- your podcast was so helpful when I was doing this too, because you have some cookbook episodes, which were super helpful. But yeah, I did it all on my own. So if someone's like, I can't do this by myself, just know that you can. And I have two children too. So if I can do it, you can do it. And you run a blog. So it's, yeah, it's definitely doable. (laughs) That's a lot to juggle. Okay. So that kind of takes away some barriers, I think, for some people. And then do you, would you say, looking back, all you've done with the book up to date, that it's worth the time and energy you've spent on it? I would definitely say so. I would definitely say so. And the reason I say that is because it's evergreen. And evergreen is something that I learned from this membership I was in a couple years ago. But she's basically she taught us how to, you know, market and sell things and having evergreen content. I mean, you probably know Megan. It's so important. And evergreen basically means it doesn't have a timestamp on it. You can sell it forever. It's not like it'll go out of date. Yeah, no specific season you need to fall into or anything like that. It's just something that people want to consume all the time. Okay, this is my least favorite part, marketing. (laughs) How do you market your cookbook? I agree. (laughs) Do you have any thoughts on that? You're so funny. Yeah, so marketing is definitely, I am right there with you. (laughs) Marketing is definitely the hardest part for me. And that's a part where I would love to hire someone. But there's a lot of, there's a lot of backend things that involve marketing that, us cookbook authors or, you know, bloggers are just like, I am not interested in crossing that line. But I would say that a couple things that were helpful for me is I knew that reviews were super important because that's what people look at all the time. So what I did with that is I just put a freebie inside my cookbook. Again, you scan the QR code and you get the freebie. And in that email chain with the freebie, it basically asks people to give me a review. And I used that through like a Google form. So they just give me a Google form review and that's how I get reviews for more marketing efforts. Mm. So that's something that you can do if you're creating a cookbook is just having that freebie so that you can get reviews no matter what. Cause people don't, I know people don't think about it very much and they don't really consider doing reviews, but it is so important for people that are selling things because when you're a consumer, the first thing you look at is the reviews. So that's one part of my marketing that I really think I've gotten, I haven't gotten that many. I've gotten about eight reviews so far, which that's pretty much all you need if you are selling on your own website, because you just make, you know, you make a little picture of all the reviews and put it in your sales page. So I think that's really helpful. It's not like Amazon where you need a million or not a million, that's exaggerating, but <laughs> that would be amazing. Like a hundred, yeah, a hundred like five star reviews on your own website. You can put in three reviews or two reviews, any review will help. So I think that is a good part or a big part of marketing that, that anyone could really do as well. It is so hard to get reviews and it's such it a is. small time commitment, but people just don't take the time for it. Do you have any like incentives for people to do that? 
Yeah. So the incentive that I give them is just, well, okay. So I give them the freebie and then I ask for review like later. So I guess I don't really have that big of an incentive, but something I do want to do in the future is I want to do some sort of post on Instagram probably and Facebook just saying, Hey, if you've purchased my cookbook and, and if you haven't left a review yet, then please leave a review and you'll be entered in to win a $50 Amazon gift card. So I think that's one thing that I might do in the future. Yeah, I love that. Mm -hmm. People will do a lot of things for Amazon gift cards, I have found. Oh, like yes. <laughs> even if it's a small, like five or ten dollars, people are like, "Yes, I want that." Totally. So I think that's super smart. And then I was just looking at the publish date for this episode is early December. So just encouraging food bloggers to find Claire's book because I think this would be an amazing Christmas gift. You could like yeah. purchase three and give it to grandma, aunt, and friend, and knock three gifts off at one time. I think so too. So yeah. what is your co- what is your magic code? Okay, my magic code for the cookbook or the ebook, you can just use the code EATBLOGTALK, just all capitals, for 15% off the cookbook or ebook. Oh, and then, awesome. yeah, yeah. And then if you want any of my courses or anything too, you can also use the code SH20, so S H H 20, for 20% off my entire website. So that's including my membership, my courses. I have like a meal planning course, a healthy baking course or anything. Awesome. Okay. And then I have a podcast or I have an idea for you. Yeah. Tell me. I have this idea relating to podcasts. So you have this strategy that you use to create this cookbook affordably. And I don't like you have so many great tips. I think you should seek out podcasts to go on and talk about your strategy just like you're doing here and market your book. So if I were you, I would do like, I don't know, set a goal. Like you're going to be on two to three a month or something like that. Mm -hmm. Deliver this awesome value like you're doing with food bloggers, except to an audience who's more into like the the strategy of it, of the like food. And then, yeah, like start marketing. Like you could, you could pick a variety of audiences too. You could do like other entrepreneurs, people who are interested in like cooking and baking and like find different ways to add value and then get a huge influx of cookbook orders. That would be, yeah. I, you know what? And that's so funny you say that because, and you're encouraging me. You really are because the marketing. Yes. I would love to do that. Like setting up this podcast with you. I'm like, I'm so excited to do this. I tried, you're the only podcast that I was like, this is the one I know that I would love to be on. So I'm so excited I'm on here to help. But yeah, I need to do that. I need to do that. I need to set aside time because that's the biggest part is like, I've so, you know, as food bloggers, there's a million things you can do, but yes, I need to set aside time and actually seek some podcasts out. Do you have any tips with like how to find podcasts to go on? Because I know like I have my podcast I listen to, but talk to me. I yeah, don't know. Yes. So first of all, to address the marketing thing, this is the easiest way that you can market your cookbook because I mean, you know, like all the other strategies are time intensive and energy intensive. So this is like the easiest way to get out to the masses. And yeah, I would just go to whatever podcast player you listen to and I would type in a variety of keywords. So for your cookbook, I would type in like on the business side, you could do like just type in cookbook creation or self-publishing or something like that and see what comes up. And if there's a podcast about, I don't know, creating cookbooks or 
delivering digital content, you can find an angle to pitch them. And then I would also seek out people who were into eating, like food and cooking. There's plenty of cooking Mm -hmm. recipes, like a baking podcast, or just type in Mm -hmm. like recipe or baking into your podcast player and do that with a bunch of different like kind of main keywords and Mm -hmm. search. And then I would also make sure that each podcast is valid, like it's current, it produces episodes, it's not like... Mm-hmm. stagnant or anything like that they regularly do a background yeah background right <laughs> exactly and then yeah if it aligns with you and you feel like your value could round out their content then pitch mm-hmm. them send them an email and say I think that my take on self-publishing would be really valuable for your audience blah 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 and I would just do that like you said set out some time and set aside some time and just make it happen I love it Thank you. Yeah. I wish someone would have told me that when I was publishing my cookbook because I did Mm -hmm. it. I just got burnt out and I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to like create Facebook ads and whatever else. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Would you say Facebook ads helped or would you say they do help now in this current state? I haven't played with Facebook ads. I know some people who are starting foodie podcasts in my coaching group play around with Facebook ads a little bit and they've found success. The key is finding the pain point. So find a pain point within your cookbook content that people will relate to and they'll see the ad and be like, oh my gosh, that is an issue for me. Like maybe it's making desserts healthy in the holiday season or you could talk about that whole copycat thing. Like what's, what's your favorite dessert from childhood? Or something mm-hmm. like that. But I think the key is just finding that really strong pain point. Yeah, that's great. And then one question for you. I can't find the place on your site to add the code. I don't see like in your checkout. I just, oh, here it is. I'm an idiot. Oh, yeah. It's right here. Right in You're front of me. You're going to like it should be there. <laughs> okay, so so it's on the right side under the image for anyone listening yes. who wants to apply that. So, And you know what? I could just, if you have the show notes... I can send you the direct link with the code included. Oh, yeah. That's perfect. I can do that too. So yeah. people can just click on the link for them. Perfect. I love it. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. What have we missed, Claire? Is there anything you want to mention about this whole process before we start saying goodbye? You know what? I think we cover. I went I went down to the nitty gritty, so I hope that was <laughs> helpful. I think I covered pretty much everything. But yeah, if anyone has any questions, feel free shoot me a DM on Facebook or Instagram and I will definitely get back to you. I've had a couple of people reach out to me just asking me about cookbook stuff. And I said, you know what? I'm going to be on this podcast. Make sure you listen to it. But yeah, if you have any follow-up questions, definitely reach out to me and I will definitely get back to you. That is a super generous offer. So thank you for that. And thank you for taking the time out today. I've really enjoyed our conversation, Claire. You're awesome. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I just, I love this podcast. I'm just so happy to be here. Thank you. Do you have a favorite quote or words of inspiration to end with today? I do. Okay, so this one, Get ready for it. Sit down because it's a good one. (laughs) So this quote is, stress isn't about all you have to do, but how you think about all you have to do. And that's by one of my favorite pastors, Craig, Craig Rochelle. I just, yeah, it's such a great quote because 
you know, in life and especially as food bloggers, there there's a million different things we could be doing with social media or creating more recipes or writing in our blog or marketing, all of that thing, all that stuff can really cloud our heads or just, you know, everyday life things. So, you know, all that included is just a lot, especially, you know, just everyone has so much baggage in life. So I think just the way you think about your stress is the biggest thing. So if you, you know, take the time to write stuff down, I feel like that's the biggest thing that helps me when I'm feeling stressed is just write down what you need to get done or write down the things you want to get done. And that will help you just check them off the list, help you to stay accountable and just give you that peace of mind that it's okay if you don't get everything done. But just having it off of your mind is the biggest thing. Thoughts are everything. I swear, like if you can do whatever it takes to change those thoughts in your head, you can change your entire world. I think that's so powerful. Mm -hmm, Exactly. Amazing way to end. Thank you so much, Claire. Your show notes will be found if anyone wants to go peek at those with the link and everything. You can find them at eatblogtalk.com forward slash secretly healthy home. And you've kind of shared where everyone can find you, but why don't you reiterate like social media and your email again? Sure. Yeah. So secretly healthy home is where I'm at on every platform, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. I'm not on Twitter. Um, that's the only thing. And then secretlyhealthyhome.com is my blog and where you can find my cookbook and all that good stuff. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. Yes. Thanks for listening. I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Eat Blog Talk. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be so grateful if you posted it to your social media feed and stories. I will see you next time.